Thank you, Craig, and thank you for the privilege of sharing with you today. I'm wondering how many of you might resonate with some of the statements that are coming up on the screen as I speak. These are sentiments related to those of us who are inclined towards a more intellectual life related to our connecting with God. I was the kind of kid when I was growing up that in my faith community that was blue-collar, not anti-educational, but non-educational, I was asking the kind of annoying questions in Sunday school like, what do we uh, do with dinosaurs as it relates to the Bible? And what is circumcision? And why is there so much killing and, and violence that's happening? I wondered about the discrepancies between the genealogies of Matthew and Luke. And so I would ask these questions in pursuit of a quote-unquote more logical propositional, which is sort of my default, that uh, we want things to be uh, theologically accurate, we might call it left-brained primarily. I was helped along the way by running across this idea that we have various spiritual pathways, that God speaks to us in a lot of variety of different ways. And particularly one book by Gary Thomas called Sacred Pathways really sort of honed in an understanding and appreciation that while the intellectual life is one, others of us are wired with a kind of default to connect God through nature and contemplation. Others of us through small groups in our relational life and hearing from others. And he gives a list of others, and I, um, I, I would highly recommend this resource to you as you try to navigate your own understanding of this concept, and I have some confidence it's probably very much in the library over here uh, on the side that you might check out. I just uh, needed um, kind of God to come to me in these rational ways in my educational pursuits, and even the work that I do is primarily about this, and you might suppose that that's what I'm going to talk about today, that I want to share with you the ways in which we need to build a robust theological life and uh, the pursuit of the mind, but actually not. Actually, I want to talk to you instead about while there are many ways that God has dealt with me, the one that I want to hone in today is the power of a whisper, is the ways in which I'm so pleased that I haven't I've learned to receive and to seek and to wish for and the ways in which my life has been profoundly affected by the ways in which God has come to me in the power of a whisper. Now, what we know from Scripture is that, uh, is that we are taught by Scripture. We are instructed by Scripture. We also know that there's the power in the life of a spiritual community. And so when we gather up in the connecting places, like our connection groups, that we hear God's instructions and voice and, and help through other people and their experiences, even their corrections and admirations. How many times have I been here even in, in sermons and listening to the messages and I'll take note of something and saying, that's a timely word for me. Then there's also just the experiences, the circumstances of life. So that I, I'm in a place and a mindset and I think, well, this door's open, I'll walk through it. And God opens up another door and then, uh, then that door shuts. And so the circumstances of our life are also very informative of us as we are seeking how to live with God and to find the life that he has for us. And throughout the Bible, we find that God gives us his spirit. 
He gives us the whisper. And probably my favorite one is uh, found in the book of Ezekiel. This is a promise in the First Testament to the people of Israel, even prior to Christ, where he gives a promise, I will sprinkle clean water in you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you, and I will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you. I will put my spirit in you and then move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my instructions. Jesus said, it's necessary that I go away because if you think I'm a good gift, of course he was and is, but if you think I'm a good gift, wait until the power of the Holy Spirit, what we believe is at conversion, embodies inside of us, then Spirit indwells us and then begins to illuminate paths for us so that the Holy Spirit is not just with us and around us or in others, but for all of those who put their faith and trust in Christ, he comes to dwell in us and he also from that begins to direct our lives in a variety of ways, including the power of a whisper. One of my first experiences with this, and I should tell you, I didn't grow up in an environment where any kind of quote-unquote personal revelation or openness to that beyond um, at the levels at which I'm talking about today were encouraged. In fact, the theological studies, uh, the seminary that I attended actually sort of, you might say, discouraged or to put off the idea of anyone having a, a word from the Lord in this kind of way. So you can imagine my surprise during my fourth year of my studies where I was uh, working part-time at a church helping with the children's ministry and adult education and uh, we had been sitting with some key volunteers and the staff around a large boardroom, and we were having a, a conversation that is very typical of what you would have, and it was a very noble pursuit, and that was the discussion to move our Sunday school start time from 9.30 to 9.45. And a part of the discussion and motivation was the hope that an additional 30 or 40 people might come as a result of the fact that we were adjusting the time. When I got back to the broom closet of an office that they gave me in the back of the church, I was sitting there and uh, sort of getting ready to move on to the rest of my work when I was, I would call it, accosted, interrupted, surprised by a whisper. Now, when we talk about how do people hear from God, you know, there's a lot of sort of ways to think about it. But here's sort of become my working definition, the one that resonates most deeply with me. And that is by not get, you know, not getting the qualifiers of it. Was it audible? No. Was it, how do you know it was your voice? Not you. But I just want to say it this way. I had a train of thought and then I had thought and thoughts that were not my thoughts. So we know that all of our thoughts are not all of our thoughts. Some of the thoughts that we have come from our spiritual enemy, sometimes from the world and the flesh. So it comes naturally in, embedded within uh, the nature that is outside of Christ. And so there's thoughts that aren't our thoughts, but this one was a different kind of thought, and this was a spiritual thought. This was a thought that was, that was moving me towards spiritual things. And the thought that came to me, the power of the whisper, sounded like this. Are you going to give the rest of your life to this? I was like, to what? To this. To that conversation. 
120 minutes of your life spent discussing whether or not you're going to shift the times from 9.30 to 9.45. Again, not that there was anything wrong with that conversation, but this was what was happening in that context. And I said, well, yeah, that's what we do. That's the business of the church, life. And the Spirit of God said to me, you know, you're going to get 30 or 40 additional people to come to the Sunday school to learn more about the Bible. But out of your Christian high school, Christian college, now four years of seminary, you don't know 10 people outside of the Christian faith. You don't know five. You don't know three. You don't know one. And I didn't. And then the Spirit in a whisper said, the woman who lives under you in the apartment below you, she's facing a life without the benefits of knowing me, nor eternity, and you don't give a rip, and I didn't. And all of a sudden, I had a flood of desire to experience something I had experienced as a child, where the faith community I grew up in was very hospitable and less assumptive, and the majority of their time was spent on the evangelism of children, sharing the faith with children, and also reaching their parents through their children. But I had this flood of desire to be about that kind of work, to be that kind of... But I wanted to do it with adults instead. It changed the trajectory of my life as ways in which we could create community of faith that had that kind of openness, that kind of sensitivity to the furthest outside had a place to belong and that we would talk in ways that were more normal or explain things to them in patient kinds of ways, even with adults, as they brought their children. And that power of a whisper, just that, are you going to give you the rest of your life for this? Was such a beautiful gift. Such a challenging calling. Some of you know our daughter Hannah, and before she was born, my wife and I were here, speaking of babies, good timing. My wife and I had our firstborn, and there had been some infertility related to that. And now it was almost six years in between the birth of uh, our oldest and than our youngest. And during that five years, in those last couple of years, those of you who know the pain of infertility, the longings of the heart, particularly as it related to a mother, and we didn't have the uh, resources, the finances. I mean, if we had insurance, it didn't pay for infertility treatments. And I was working part-time at uh, the stadium McDonald's as a maintenance man to help make ends meet. And we had this struggling church plant that wasn't uh, getting off the ground in the ways that we had hoped. And anyway, I had put up the Sunday services and I just knew that, that my wife's heart was heavy in the longings for a child. And I was driving from putting everything up, packing it away from the church start and the equipment. And I was right out here on, on Scott Boulevard and just turning the corner to go south, headed to our house over in Meadowbrook West. And this was so heavy on my mind. And there was the power of a whisper. And then the power of a whisper. I just heard a whisper. 
Tell your wife she'll hold a baby. Now, I didn't know if that meant through adoption. I didn't know if that meant through a grandchild. I didn't know, you know, so I start to try to think about what all that means. But mostly I just felt, I don't want to say this to her to get her hopes up. I don't know how she'll respond. But I just, I couldn't get away from the fact that, and I, I have come in ever-increasing ways trying out is it my voice? Is that my thoughts? Are those God's thoughts? And but when I got home, I said, I, I believe as best I understand that God has a word for us and for you. You'll hold a baby. And it encouraged her. And a few months later, you know, the story is, is that my daughter Hannah, uh, we knew she was expecting and what a good gift Hannah has been to us. And I tell people that I didn't know that the world existed in a way that Hannah taught me to see it through. You feel that, huh? And what a good gift of the way in which she saw the world and instructed me to see the world in that kind of way, in a good and beautiful world that it was. The power of a whisper there comes to us instruction in the teaching of Scripture. There comes to us through our private devotions the impact and the motivations of when we're reading God's Word, the devotional life. It comes to us through the books that we read. It comes to us through the circumstances of life. So also know what it is to just have, uh, to sort of sit with the Lord. I remember this experience at White Rock Lake in Dallas, Texas. I was just spent the day saying, Lord, do you want us to go to Dallas, Texas? And at the end of the day, I remember just... Uh, saying to my wife and to myself, I think the Lord's saying, where do you want to go? Where do you want to live? So I think they're just experiences that God says, well, let me see what you want and co-create. There's nothing wrong with your choice. And we step into things by faith. And then there's these other experiences that we have where a person says things. How many times I was set in a small group and what they said, I've said, oh, that was meant for me in a circumstances that I can apply to my life. But today, with you, I'm trying to say there's, this, there's these moments, these times. I was trying to imagine how many I, I've had in my life. And I don't know, I can't, I mean, it's not always. I, I started thinking, well, it's been a dozen times, a half dozen, dozen times. Then I thought, well, no, but then there's that time and that time and that time. But this unique experience of where the Spirit of God gives you a thought that's not your thought. And it, often for me in a time of desperation and need, a time of looking at something that seems large and just the Spirit's voice the power of a whisper. Now, until we're uh, tempted to perhaps put me into sainthood already, I need to tell you about what happened just a few months ago. I was, I've been challenged, frankly, at Compass Church. In fact, uh, it's kind of been irritating because uh, I've been challenged to bless my neighbor. It's kind of a theme around here. You'll sure hear more about it tonight. So I've been more aware of ways of engaging a neighborhood in ways that I haven't uh, in my adult life. And so there's a neighbor that's next to us and uh, 
Just suffice it to say that I was walking across the backyard and I looked over and this neighbor had had a birthday party with a blow-up thing, slide, whatever, bounce house, and it was the, the, the previous day, and this day it was, it was uh, the air was out of it, and I could see that he had pulled his truck into the backyard and was just getting ready to put it and load it up into his truck. And I heard a whisper, and the whisper was, go help. Just ask, can I help? And I began to rationalize. Oh, he's, he'll have it done by the time I get there. And, hmm, I wonder how he'll say, no, that's okay. Or what will that mean in terms of the ways that he, he has expectations of me? So you want to know the rest of the story? I didn't do anything. I ignored it. So, I'm not in a position in my heartfelt view of God anymore of thinking that God's going to strike me dead for not doing that or a bolt of lightning for disobeying. And, uh, you know, I, th I, I think God likes me, but I also think God says, wow, there was an opportunity that could have told a different story of a kind of flourishing life where you'd have been bold and taken a chance. And so as I've sat with that story the next afternoon, the next day, over the weeks, I think, I, I think it's a whisper that I just rationalized away. The power of a whisper. I've been helped through over the, uh, the last couple of years is all the time I've been using this by a little tool that if you looked at my journal you would see these four questions come up regularly. I have little abbreviations for them but I want to introduce them to you in hopes that they would be helpful to you as well. Uh, but first of all I want to tell you the context in which these questions show up. The way they showed up was is that my wife and I for about a year and a half, had had five conflicts. And I think I could tell you all five. But they all ended or were about the same thing. And, and it was that she would express a disappointment and then I would defend myself about all of my intentions and why she shouldn't think and have been hurt the way that she was. I know you, none of you can relate to what I'm about to say, but I was defensive, and in the midst of that defensive telling her how she ought to feel instead about me because she should know my intentions, then in the midst of that defensiveness, then she would uh, be further hurt, and the conversation would last, conversations last conflict would last longer. But uh, we're far enough along that you know, we would sort of get some kind of resolution through it. But it wasn't, it kept happening enough times. Now, I, I got, I frankly went to some counseling for it and paid some money to try to explore this further. So there's some effort on my part. I'm trying to figure out in a kind of awareness. A couple of the times that we had this kind of conflict before I take you to the questions 
is that uh, one of the conflicts I remember is that after a seminar she had, that I was sort of hosting, is that she said to me, wow, that really impacted me in a significant way. And I, I think I have, uh, have new awareness of something about my childhood and how it's impacted me. And my comment was, well, that surprises me. I would have thought that we processed that already and you would have been aware of it. And, uh, <laughs> and then um, her response was, well, maybe this is not a good time for us to talk about it. And what I heard her say was not what she intended, which was, hey, maybe this is not a good time because you're hosting and we need to wrap this up. You need to wrap this up and we'll talk about this later. What I heard her say was something that's been a kind of a, uh, a, a dance that we've had through our life in marriage, and that was, you love ministry more than you love me. It's this competition with vocational life, ministry life. You know, you're more concerned about that than you are about me. And so, anyway, I, um, I reacted and then it turned into a thing. We got through that. Another time was she said to me, you know, uh, I listened to a podcast and the podcast recommended a book about sort of reconnect was the title of it by Steve Call and I thought we could read that together a way to sort of you know give our marriage some increased attention in our life but I'm but uh, I'm hesitant to ask you this would you be willing to read a book on marriage now we're at this point you know early 60s right I mean and and so what I said was well, when have I ever been unwilling to work on our marriage? So she said, Rod, you've got an issue with this defensiveness. So fast forward. And one time she said to me, hey, I ran across four questions. And I thought you might like to sit with them. And so the four questions that came up just sound like this. What am I experiencing and feeling? And the answer to that question for me was, I'm feeling in those moments inadequate. I'm feeling uh, shame that I'm not enough. I'm not feeling like I can meet the moment, the need of the moment, because of the inadequacy. Something wrong with me kind of an approach. The second question is, when have you experienced or felt this same kind of emotion before? And, and the third question goes like this, and that is, what did you come to believe about yourself as a result of what you've experienced? I see some of you taking notes, so, you know, I think, that's, I think this is really helpful, these questions. So I'm glad you're doing that. If you want to get out your phone and take pictures of the screen, that would be cool too. What are, you ex what are you feeling, experiencing? When have you felt it before? And then thirdly is, what did you come to believe about yourself as a result of what you're, you've ex experienced? And then finally is, and what would Jesus say to you about what you have come to believe? So she offered these to me, and no kidding, over the course of the next three mornings, I felt awakened. 
at an earlier time than I typically get up. And so I would sit in my chair, and I had my journal open. And I've said to my kids, by the way, hey, just so you know, if you read my journals after I'm gone, I only journaled in the worst of times, not in the best of times. <laughs> I think that might be, if you know of Mother Teresa's writings, I think that's probably true for her as well. We found such dark and gloom, despair uh, happening, agony on me kind of a thing happening in her journals. And this is typically true for me. I don't have a diary. I just write when I'm struggling. So anyway, uh, in my journal, I'm sitting with this three mornings in a row. And on the third morning, this is what came to me. I feel inadequate. When have you felt this before? Oh, I remember the time. This one experience of many, but where Kurt Kaiser in the fourth grade, we were picking teams to play basketball, which is a game I loved and love. And we were picking teams, and I was next to the last. And when I stepped over onto his team, he said, that's okay, we'll just play a man down. And somehow in the tussle of that, I ended up on my butt with him shoving me backwards and out off the side. Now, I got up and defended myself and said, hey, I'm going to play, and, and I did. But the Lord reminded me that in much of my life, I have, I have experienced feeling like I'm a, I'm a good team player, but on the bench, or second team, third choice, not the last pick, but the next to the last or so. Associate pastor, not the senior pastor. Academic probation to seminary. Average, not the first team. What did I come to believe about myself? I think I'm a pretty good pick. But other people, including my wife, it's probably second or third choice. So when... Julie came out later that day, and we set to have our conversation. I said to her, I think I've had a breakthrough. The breakthrough goes like this, is that I think that um, implicitly within me is that I think I'm a good pick, but I think that I think about you that you think I'm sort of your second choice or have regrets about marrying me. And she very graciously affirmed me. I talked about places that it had been hard for me in terms of our relationship where that had validated, and she, she validated those experiences. And then said, I, I, I choose you. You're my first team. And if you saw some of our anniversary cards over the last, you know, couple of years since this happened, you'd see, hey, you're my first pick. I still choose you, that kind of thing happening. Said all the right things. 
And then I said to her, and I've asked Jesus what he would say to me about what I've come to believe. And that's why I leave it with you today is because I'm pleased to say that what was implicit became explicit. And what was explicit, I was able to say then what I know that Jesus would say. And Jesus says, I like you. Jesus says, I would pick you. But I also said to her that morning, and I'm still saying to you, this is yet a, an explicit reality for me that I'm needing to move into an experience with God still. I'm still needing greater levels of transformation that move from my head knowledge and into my gut heart knowledge so that I can see that I'm a first team pick. And that's what we seek is the power of an experience the implicit to the explicit to the experience with God, where in that experience, I'm more deeply transformed, where I come to believe something that Jesus would say to me, fully engaged, fully embodied as a result. So this morning, I don't know how God will meet you. He's so gracious to meet us in a variety of ways, but one of the ways in your desperation and in your own distress and in your own need, whatever those fears and concerns may be, I just want to say today, I've been helped on occasion. I'm so glad I, when I don't resist. I want to aspire to always say yes. But to be open and lean in to the power of a whisper. When Jesus was asked in John 6 by the other people, how can we do the works you do? Jesus said, Oh, it's not works, he said. It's a work. And the work is to believe in the one whom the Father sent. He said, believe in me. And that invites us into a personal, deep relationship with the Spirit of God who works in a variety of ways, but one of those ways is this power of a whisper. And I pray that perhaps God might have a whisper for you in the midst of your own need. So to that end, please pray with me. So our gracious God, thank you for the power of a whisper that comes not through an entity, but through a person, through persons, through the work of your spirit, because of Jesus, through the love of the Father. We have access, Lord, to revelation that's unique for us. You know how to meet us. And for those today who need, Lord, that may this message encourage them to hear from you. And thank you for your faithfulness in meeting us there. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This podcast is part of the ministry of Compass Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, please check out compasscfc.com.